Massive news out of Durham, North Carolina on Tuesday. Kyle Filipowski is coming back for his sophomore year at Duke. But the Blue Devils also lost Mackenzie Mbako. What is going on? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into Locked On College Basketball, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us on this episode, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, as I said, we're going to be talking about Duke. Massive news there player coming back unexpected a player now leaving unexpected where is he going to wind up we'll also talk to lance daw from locked on kentucky and mark colkin from locked on usc looking at boogie ellis coming back for his fifth year of college great stuff coming up on the show today but we're going to get right into it with jj jackson from locked on blue devils we are joined today on Locked On College Basketball by J.J. Jackson, our guy, the host of Locked On Blue Devils. And J.J., what a massive day of news we had for Duke on Tuesday. It, as you and I have talked about, it had been a lot of wait, 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 wait. And then the floodgates opened all of a sudden on Tuesday. The Blue Devil Nation got that news they were hoping for. Kyle Filipowski is returning for his sophomore year. What on earth does this mean for John Shire in his second year as head coach? It means that Duke is returning their best player from this past season. It means that the Blue Devils will be a preseason top five team, might even have an argument to be the best team in America going into next season. It means so much, Isaac, that all of a sudden you build the foundation of this John Shire era. His very first commit on the recruiting trail as the head coach And Kyle Filipowski said he wanted to accomplish special things. He had been in some first-round mock drafts lately. A lot of people stunned by this decision. But it means that the sky is the absolute limit for what Duke is going to be able to accomplish next season. Unprecedented that you're seeing Kyle Filipowski come back. First time, Isaac, since 2013 that the ACC has seen their Rookie of the Year return for his sophomore season. Olivier Hanlon at Boston College. What is that guy doing these days? My word. He returned back in 2013. That's the last time a freshman of the year came back. So it's it's a magnificent news, uh, a a bombshell story there in Durham that Kyle Filipowski is returning for year two. And JJ, you said uh, the, the sky's the limit. And you think about not just Filipowski, we already know that Tyrese Proctor is coming back. What a change that was for Duke last season when he took over the point guard duties. Mark Mitchell's coming back. And so you talked about the the sky. I think this also tells me that there's a really high floor for this team as well. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, no, for sure. That's something totally fair to point out. You talk about the differences from year one to year two for any head coach. Isaac, in, in year one, John Shire had Jeremy Roach who we'll get to a little bit later. But Jeremy Roach is pretty much it. Jalen Blakes was a scholarship freshman on the Final Four team that Duke had several years or a couple of years ago, but he didn't really play much. It was Roach that was the only main contributor. Going into next year, you look at the floor, there are three starters coming back for Duke and Proctor, Mitchell, and Filipowski. That does so much for what Duke can accomplish 
bringing in a top-level freshman class as well. Uh, I think it's just so awesome to see what this Duke team is going to be able to do next season. Speaking of that top-level freshman class, one member of it will no longer be part of it because, J.J., that was the resultant news that we got on Tuesday is that with Kyle Filipowski returning to Duke, we learned that Mackenzie Mbako is not going to return to Duke, requested a release from his NLI, National Letter of Intent, which is so hard to keep track of these days with NIL and NLI, but whatever. Um, And so... JJ, it seems to me outside looking in that this is pretty much a direct result of Filipowski's coming back, Flip's coming back. So the flip side of Flip coming back is that Mbako is now not going to come to Duke. Do, do those things have correlation or is that just coincidence? Uh, I think they absolutely have correlation. I think when you're looking at what Duke is looking for next season, uh, the minutes were definitely now going to be limited for somebody like Mackenzie Mbako, who, look, as a top 10 prospect, a top 10 recruit in the country, in all likelihood, he's only playing one year of college basketball at Duke. So he's looking for a lot of minutes. He's looking for a lot of shots. And you've got a known commodity in Kyle Filipowski who had 16 double-doubles this past season. It's just going to be hard to find the floor. Now, I try to stay as in tuned with everything regarding Duke basketball as possible, Isaac. But even I was really shocked that this news ultimately did come just because the letter of intent had already been signed. This just doesn't really feel like something that you see too frequently with a Duke basketball player. But uh, look, every year is new challenge. Every day is new and uh, we're experiencing (laughs) new things in the Duke basketball world. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. I guess in this wild, wild west of the transfer portal and people staying and NIL money, anything's yeah. possible. And we found that out in a new way on Tuesday. JJ. And it was one. It was one of those things where you know we're starting to see reports that Mackenzie Mbako was going to be you know decommitting from Duke before he even got to say it himself. You know, and that's one of those things that uh, on Tuesday it was a lot of the best recruiting reporters out there were on top of the story before McKenzie even got to speak himself. And when I'm seeing that, I'm like, really? There's just no way. And then sure enough, Mbako confirmed the news himself. Wow. So interesting. Well, early reports is that uh, Louisville and North Carolina will be big time contenders for his services. Obviously, Nolan Smith was a big part of recruiting him to Duke, who's now on the Louisville staff. And uh, there's connections with North Carolina as well. He's a high school teammate of incoming Carolina freshman Simeon Wilcher. So we'll keep our eyes, obviously, on where McKenzie and Baco ends up. JJ, you said that right now, three Duke starters are returning next year. We know that Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead are fully in the NBA draft, but another, one of the most important uh, Blue Devils from this past season, the guy that brought that veteran leadership, Jeremy Roach, is also in the NBA draft, but he's testing the waters. You wonder about that language where he's just wanting to get some, some good feedback from the NBA As you look at it right now, we're recording this on Tuesday, April 11th at 8.58 Eastern Time. If you had to make a call right now, JJ, is Jeremy Roach playing in a Duke uniform next season? I think he is. I I think he does come back and play another year for Duke. If you asked me a week ago, I would have told you no. But um, you look at what uh, Mbaka was able to do. Obviously, you start doing scholarship math and numbers are still certainly there. I I think when Jeremy Roach goes to test himself 
at the uh, draft combine process. There's just not going to be a whole lot of love. At the end of the day, he is an undersized guard who That's wasn't right. the most efficient scorer uh, for Duke. He scored, just not at the <laughs> most efficient rate that uh, I think some NBA teams are looking at. And truthfully, I just really cannot picture Jeremy Roach with everything he's been through in a Duke uniform. I can't picture him wearing another college basketball jersey. Crazier things have happened, but in his farewell post, the fact that he highlighted specifically the pre-draft process, you know, we're guilty of trying to read in between every single line that's That's out there. (laughs) To me, if I'm having to bet, I do think he returns for Duke next year. It makes for a really, really crowded backcourt room, which would lead you to believe he's not coming back with Proctor uh, coming back for a sophomore season and two guards in the freshman class coming in. But no, I do think that uh, Duke's captain from this past season will return for his senior year. Great stuff. Going to be a good problem for Coach Shire to have one way or the other. We will certainly keep our eyes on these storylines, what Jeremy Roach ultimately decides to do, where McKenzie and Baco lands, and you got to imagine Kyle Filipowski will be right in that discussion for ACC preseason player of the year. JJ, great job. Thanks for joining us as always. Folks, make sure you go follow JJ on Twitter. Follow Locked on Blue Devils. Get all the best Duke information and news out there. JJ, appreciate you, brother. Isaac, thanks for the invite. This was fun. Mackenzie Mbako is not going to Duke, but might he end up heading to Lexington to play for Coach Cal? And what on earth is happening with that roster? We'll find out in just a second. But first, today's episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sport. Customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place that first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't when make sure to go ahead and check out the action for tonight's games and place down some bets. Don't miss that chance to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. We move from one blue blood straight to another Kentucky Wildcats. We're joined now by the host of Kentucky, Mr. Lance Da. Lance, on Tuesday, you put out a show and your thumbnail read thusly. Kentucky's basketball roster is in chaotic limbo. My friend, I could not agree more with you. Indeed it is. Let me just rattle off what I noticed. You tell me what I'm missing and what all's going on with Coach Cal and the Wildcats. Kaysen Wallace, Jacob Toppin, they're both fully in the draft. Austin Reeves, Antonio Reeves, excuse me, <laughs> and Oscar Shibway testing the draft waters. We've got Severe Wheeler, Ghana Onyenso in the transfer portal. And then we've got this quintet of freshmen coming in. DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Justin Edwards, of course, Rob Dillingham, and the son of Kentucky royalty, Reed Shepard. So Lance, this, this limbo you're talking about, how on earth do we do we um, reckon with it? How do we put it into? How, how do we just live with that? What what is going on in Lexington? 
Well, there's a lot of different things happening right now with the roster, like you just mentioned, with a, a lot of players exiting, a lot of new players coming in, some new pieces in the portal likely having to be added over the next few weeks, months, whatever whatever have you. And my my message on that episode, and it's what I'll preach here today, is how do we reckon with it? We just have to accept the fact that everything's going to be okay. Because at one point or another, I have confidence that the players that we need to return or will make this squad better next year will. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know definitively, oh, Oscar Sheboy is going to come back. Oh, Yugan Onyenzo is going to actually come back after entering the transfer portal and realizing, hey, there's probably not a lot of schools that are going to pay me six figures to do what I did last year. And who knows? Maybe we end up getting a player like Hunter Dickinson. It's just depending on what different uh, players do here. It will end up, I think, regardless being a positive situation for the Wildcats. So while there is all of this chaos, you're, you're exactly right. Just looking at all of these different pieces <laughs> moving out, all of these pieces moving in. It was one of those where I started the show just like saying, like, and we got this and this and this and this and this. We just need to settle down and we need to realize that while Kentucky may not be as active, active in the transfer portal as some fans may like to may like to claim they aren't, things are going to work out. Things are going to work out. And once some of these decisions are finally starting, uh, finally made, you can start to see the kind of the the kind of domino effect, if you will, uh, with with Kentucky just kind of laying everything into place. Because right now, I think we're one move away from things just kind of taking off here. Lance, that's so good. And in, interestingly enough, we just finished talking with J.J. Jackson of Locked On Blue Devils. And the Blue Devils had that domino on Tuesday when Kyle Filipowski announced he was coming back. And then there was just this ripple effect following that. It feels like to me that domino that you just talked about is Oscar Shibway and his decision because it affects what happens with the with the front court. Does um, does Onyenso come back if if they're both gone? Does Dickinson ultimately or some other big come in? Is that? Is that the domino we're waiting on to fall is Oscar Shibwe's decision? Yeah, I, I think that's the player that you're looking at right now that will kind of set in motion everything else happening with this roster, not just with the center position, but also with the power forward position, because I've continued to preach on my show that, look, Aaron Bradshaw, while he may be coming out of high school as a center, Cal talked about playing him at power forward with Onyenzo, playing two seven-footers. So I think rotationally, depending on what Kentucky wants to do in the portal and what Oscar Shibway does, that will impact what Aaron Bradshaw does on the court for Kentucky next year. And then therefore it's going to impact what Kentucky needs out of the portal for next season. Oscar Shibway is the, is the, is the top of the pyramid here. That's going to affect everything that's happening underneath him. If he comes back, I think that make you, makes you going on decision a little bit more difficult because right. maybe it's not all money for him. Maybe it's playing time that he also wants, and another school is able to provide that. If he doesn't come back, Oscar Shibway, that is, then you have to look into the portal. You have to look into the portal to find somebody because I know that Yonienzo and Bradshaw may be a solid pairing. I'm going to be completely transparent with you, Isaac. Lance Ware, the backup center for Kentucky, I don't think he's going to move the needle for them this season. And I'm not saying Kentucky has the ability, if Yonienzo comes back, to go out and get a five star former five-star elite player that wants to be the focal point of, of a team. I'm not saying that that's possible. I'm saying go out and get yourself some ex experienced player that wants to be on a big-time roster that wants to help make an impact on a team that already has a ton of stars. 
I understand the situation with Kentucky where, look, like you said, they've got all of these different recruits coming in. A lot of different players are going to want to try and score at <laughs> volume for Kentucky <laughs> next season. So that, I think, is probably factoring into what Shibwe wants to do. I think it's factoring into a little bit what Onyenza wants to do. And a guy like Hunter Dickinson, a guy like Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky, who Kentucky has reached out to, I believe, as of yesterday. Look, there are a lot of different pieces that could fall into place once Shibwe says he is or he isn't returning. And until then, we just have to sit here and wait and see who else Kentucky reaches out to. (laughs) Well, a big part of that conversation goes back to those Duke dominoes we talked about because – If we're looking for a power forward, there's just one that backed out of his national letter of intent and uh, is is opening his recruitment, and that's McKenzie Mbaco. Now, it sounds like, if I'm reading the tea leaves right and reading all the rumor mills correctly, that Coach Cal doesn't necessarily want Mbaco because of all the youth coming in already, and hey, maybe we would be better served with having um, a four, a power forward coming in with a little more age and experience. Is that kind of what you're hearing in the Kentucky circles, Lance? And if they don't want Mbaco, is he going to the arch rival Louisville Cardinals? Like maybe we want Mbaco just so he doesn't head west of us to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, shameless plug here on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. I, I kick off the show talking about Mbako and about what he does well and why he left Duke, like you just said, for the exact same reason, because of Phil Philipkowski coming back and uh, Philipkowski, that is, and, and because of him wanting to be the focal point uh, of a team next season. You're right. I, I said the same thing on today's episode. If you guys want to go check that out, it, it's, it's essentially me saying that, look, I, I think that he would be a very valuable piece Like you said, maybe keep him away from Louisville, too. Uh, As far as what he is coming out of high school, I mean, he is exactly what Kentucky, I think, wants in terms of uh, a four that can stretch the floor a little bit and then has just a beautiful jumper. I mean, I went and watched some of his highlights today and yesterday. I mean, he is just clean, Uh, just a very, very, very well-polished offensive player, I'll say that, coming out of high school. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's what I've been hearing. That's the conversations that I've been having with different Kentucky beat writers about, okay, what's the approach here? Uh, I went and asked one of them specifically about McKenzie, and they said something that's, that essentially they said in a tweet, which is, I think that he would be a very valuable addition, but Kentucky's probably more interested in getting somebody with a little bit more experience and maybe somebody that doesn't take up as much attention at that four spot. Because again, you've got Aaron Bradshaw, right. uh, who could rotate in or start there. Uh, potentially for the Wildcats this season, even though he's seven feet tall and was playing center in high school. So I think Mbako would be very fun. If it, I actually had a, a a commenter ask me what would be my my dream team for next year, I'm like, yeah, I want him at my power forward. I want all the five stars at my power forward. <laughs> I don't right. care. Um, but the, the reality of the situation is that's probably not going to happen. And I think that you're probably going to see him move along to a different school. It's a shame, too. Um, because Kentucky was one of the few teams to really host him and to really pursue him. Memphis was the other team uh, that I think had been able to get a, uh, a visit from him back in October of last year. Um, I would. We don't have to talk about it on the show about my thoughts on Memphis. I'll just say I wouldn't <laughs> like it uh, if he ended up going uh, to uh, to the Tigers there. But yeah, uh, very, very, very talented prospect that I wish we could have, but I, I don't think it's going to be what Kentucky's looking for. I don't know if he's committed, but I think it's looking for a, a, maybe a Jamison battle type, that ki- that power forward from Minnesota. Um, maybe somebody like him with a little bit more experience. 
Okay, lots of wildness. There's a hurricane of intrigue going on around the Kentucky basketball roster ahead of 2023-24. We're obviously going to be keeping our eyes on these guys in the NBA draft and potential transfer portal movement. Lance, great stuff, brother. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Make sure you check out Lance on Twitter at LanceDa underscore and make sure you follow the Locked on Kentucky Wildcats podcast lance we've started saying just randomly on the show go wildcats about everyone and in this case it actually makes sense because you are a wildcat so go wildcats thanks for joining us yes sir isaac thank you so much for having me on while kentucky waits on some news about a potential returning player usc already got that in the form of boogie ellis coming back for his covid year and he's going to join super freshman isaiah collier what's it mean for the trojans next year we'll talk about it in just a second we are joined now on Locked on College Basketball by Mr. Mark Culkin. Oh, man, another one of our great Locked on hosts for USC. And, folks, we got some big news coming out of L.A. Boogie Ellis is using that COVID eligibility. Coming back those first two years at Memphis, has played his last two years for the Trojans. My goodness. Averaged 17.7 points a game last year, 3.7 rebounds. 3.4 assists, excuse me, and 1.4 steals. And Mark, goodness gracious, what is Andy Enfield getting with Boogie Ellis deciding to come back and use that COVID eligibility? Well, besides that and the veteran leadership, um, he's getting a volume score. And that's mm. what he needed big time with the, with the roster he had coming back. Uh, it's talented. But it's young, and they lost. You know, they they were going to lose their top three scores: Boogie, Drew Peterson, and and Reese uh, Reese Dixon Waters just recently jumped into the portal. So, Boogie coming back is, you know, it's like getting another four star in, in in the recruiting pool. And you mentioned Isaiah Collier, so now you've got you know the future here today, but you've got somebody who can show them the ropes. And now Boogie doesn't have to be the point guard. He can be that off guard, that volume score, you know, three-point range, take it to the rim, whatever it takes. Um, you've got maybe, well, it could be one of the better backcourts in the country next year. You absolutely do. And, and Mark, do you project that Collier will be able to come in? I mean, number one overall player in America, coming out of my neck of the woods, I'm from the Atlanta area, so I played Wheeler High School when I was coming up. They were always great at just about everything. Uh, do you anticipate that he'll be able to step in from day one, kind of like you were talking about, take over the main lead point guard, number one duties, and allow Boogie to slide over as you were talking about? You think that'll be able to happen? Uh, well, I think they're going to try and make it happen, you know, by hook, or, <laughs> by hook or crook. I mean, that's why they're bringing him in. The, the, the one thing that Andy Enfield's team has not had since Jordan McLaughlin <laughs> is – a true point guard, that true facilitator. And that's what Isaiah Collier is. And he's got enough su supporting cast around him that if he, you know, if he can create like we've seen him do, you know, at the high school level, it's going to be different jumping up to division one. But if he's able to take that next step and mature, uh, you know, he's got a lot of young talent around him. We've got Trey White, uh, Kobe Johnson, Oziah Sellers, who last year Andy Enfield said was the best shooter he's ever recruited, um, that started to show itself later in the season. 
Um, but again, you add Isaiah Collier and then you get the bigger guys on the outside and Silas Demery Jr., who I haven't even mentioned his name yet. That's another yeah. guard from your neck of the woods. <laughs> was, you know, USC was able to recruit and bring out to LA. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's going to be young. It's going to be guard oriented still, but they, they've got some big guys as well. What, what is coach Enfield going to have to replace with, I, I wanted to ask you about Dixon Waters. So glad you brought that up. What, what will the Trojans need to be able to do to replace him to get back some of that scoring they lose? So they, they got to, out of that, you know, pool of players that I was just, you know, talking about, they got to find someone who can come off the bench and, and be that, play that role. Uh, you know, and last year when USC traveled to, uh, to UCLA, uh, they got down, they went down big and they battled back. Reese Dixon Waters was, I, I believe it was seven for seven from the field in that game. And USC took the lead down in the end, and at the very end, they lost. Uh, UCLA made the shot. 60 to 58, I think it was. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah yes, another one of those types of losses. USC got revenge <laughs> later in the year, which, but going got back. Got that revenge. Got yeah. that revenge. But Reese Dixon Waters is, you know, he's a good he was the sixth man at USC and he was the sixth man of the year in the PAC 12, but he is a, he's a starter pretty much everywhere else. That's right. And I think that's what I, you have to replace that. You're, you have to replace that much talent and whether or not Trey white will be able to take that next step. Uh, Kobe Johnson offensively, defensively, the guy's a stud, or if it's going to be Josiah Sellers, um, is Isaiah Collier the guy? Is Silas Demery going to be the guy? Yeah. What to choose from. Yeah. It, it, and thinking about the Pac-12 at large, and I, I know we're not going to be talking Pac-12 many more years here, Mark. It, it's coming to a, a quick close. But, but <laughs> let's get that Big Ten media money going. That's right. But I, I feel like all throughout the year last year, we were talking so much about UCLA and Arizona and how we projected them to just completely separate themselves from the rest of the conference. But you look at the final standings and, and USC was tied with Arizona at 14 and six in conference play had worked right up to that third spot. What, what does coach infield need to do to, to help people realize, Hey, like we're right there with UCLA. We're right with Mick Cronin. We're right with what's going on at, at, at Arizona and what Tommy Lloyd's got happening there. How, how do we get the Trojans into, into that conversation with those two teams? So as far as competing with UCLA, uh, I think Andy Enfield has shown that he has got, he's got that under control. If you look at him head to head against Mick Cronin, he's got the winning record. Right. Uh, Andy Enfield is recruiting just fine. Um, and when you're going up and, you know, to give credit, when you're going up against a UCLA, a blue blood in basketball, like North Carolina, uh, that's, you don't, you don't want to say you're measuring yourself against that, but you are kind of saying, all right, well, if UCLA is getting these three top five guys and you say USC is getting, you know, two of them, Hey, that's pretty good since USC is considered a football school. <laughs> but uh, what Andy Enfield needs right now to make this team just what I would consider a Final Four team, hmm. he needs a quality stretch four. Hmm. Because you've got the point guard now. You've got Boogie Ellis coming back. You've got Vince Uwachuku and Josh Morgan in the middle. You've got 
which is a lot of defense, and Vince hasn't even tapped his potential yet. You've got two young guys in Kajani Wright and Arrington Page. Another guy, I believe, from uh, Wheeler. And if you can plug in the right guy who can stretch that defense on the other side. That's right. I think Andy will finally have his complete roster. He's all, Look, he's been pl- putting guys in the NBA every year. That's right. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen this season, uh, but, you know, Boogie came back. He could still go to the NBA if he gets, uh, you know, a good word. But I, I think he'll probably be he'll probably do better at USC for one year. Wink, wink. If you understand what I mean, <laughs> oh. NIL is part of it. What up, NIL? Yeah, listen, I love what NIL is doing to keep some guys around that might otherwise leave, and and I Boogie's got to be part of that equation for sure. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's huge news. Uh, Mark, without- America would be mad at me if I didn't ask you one final question. Is Bronny James coming to be a Trojan or what? <laughs> How long do you want this show to go on? <laughs> you do what you need to, my man. Well, no, the reason being is I, I, I've, I've had some opinions on this. <laughs> and look, I rattled off pretty much every USC's roster. You just did, yeah. Okay, so Bronny James, son of LeBron James. Now, you're going to have dad sitting front row. Bronny James is a good player in his own right, but he is not a starter at USC next year. That's right. And how many minutes is he going to get considering dad wants him to be a one and done so they can play together in in the NBA before, you know, just across town. (laughs) Right. Well, hope. And again, how long do you want the show to go on? Um, It would make the decision much easier for me if the Lakers traded dad. But um, that's not going to happen this year. So, again, I just raise up, I raise those points. Yeah. Wise and valid points that I, I would not combat. He is not an elite player that projects to be a one and done. He's risen, but it's still not to that level. And it's it's going to be about the circus wherever he lands. Right. So do you want him, you know, how many minutes is he going to be comfortable playing? Because he's not going to be playing over Trey White or over Kobe Johnson or over a Boogie Ellis, and definitely not playing over uh, Isaiah Collier. No, even though even though Collier is recruiting him to come to USC. <laughs> oh, change the mindset. You want to be a two or three year player? Come on board. Dude, absolutely. If you're one and done, I don't know. Like you mentioned, Galen Center will see the stands filled artificially. But who are they watching? Are they watching Gucci Row or are they watching, you know, when's Andy going to put in Brawny? That's right. And that will be the storyline we're going to have to continue to watch and yeah. keep our eyes on. Folks, Mark Colkin does such a great job. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. A C and Mark K's the rest of the way in the surname. Go give our guy a follow. He does a great job out there on the West Coast. Mark, so great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again, Isaac. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of Locked on College Basketball. Once again, massive thanks to J.J. Jackson, Lance Daw, and Mark Culkin for joining us to update us on Duke, Kentucky, and USC. Please make sure to go ahead and subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and leave some comments on your thoughts on what's going on with these 
three programs. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, when your guy Andy Patton will be right back with you. Peace.